Welcome to episode 126. Here's a Boo Crew Fright Fact. In 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula, Gary Oldman, who plays Dracula, hired a voice coach to lower his voice an octave to make him sound more creepy. At time of release, we are still in quarantine and connect remotely with one of the most exciting performers, singers, and creators in the world. Maria Brink of the gold-selling metal band In This Moment. Come with us as she talks about what she's been up to during lockdown and takes you behind the scenes of the group's latest album, Mother, plus the making of their beautifully spooky video for The In-Between. Hear about her horror movie first, incredible ghost stories, and much, much more. The adventure begins now. Hello, everybody. This is Maria Brink from In This Moment, and you are joining my fans with the boot crew. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is an enigmatic singer, songwriter, and artist. Over the course of an incredible body of work, her and her band have not only created history, putting every single one of their albums on the Billboard charts going back to 2007's Beautiful Tragedy, they've also created a community and connection with millions of people all over the world. Using that magical polarity of darkness and light and the sum of her own experiences and what she has endured, they have conjured poetic phrases and impassioned melodies that have become etched into our minds. They have provided comfort, salvation, and strength when we need it the most. Seventeen stunning short films to accompany the band's music have been recognized as some of the best ever created. Like 2013's Adrenalize, it had director Robert John Clay nominated for the Jack Richardson Producer of the Year Award and their most recent beautiful nightmare for their song, The In-Between. The band that was formed in 2005 by herself and guitarist Chris Howarth has gone on to change everything and bend the fabric of that sacred space between angels and demons, earning the band award nominations from the likes of Alternative Press and Loudwire, and she winning Rock Goddess of the Year multiple times, as well as countless awards from Yell Magazine to Revolver. To date, the band has released six full-length albums, a live album, and a compilation collection, and they have just given rise to their seventh adventure, the jaw-dropping Mother. Here to talk with us is Maria Brink of In This Moment. Woo! Yeah! Man, I I must say, in all of my career, that is the best intro I have ever heard. Oh, my God. You are fantastic. I'm like, wow, I was all into it, listening, and like, just your descriptive words and everything. Really, bravo, bravo. Thank you for having me. Wow. Thank you so much, Maria. That means a hell of a lot to us, and thank you. Yeah, that was amazing. My self-esteem just went up a little bit. like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations on this wonderful achievement and the birth of this album. It really is a masterpiece. 
debuted on Billboard in its first week. Now, the album obviously comes at a time when the world is in flux. It was due to be released right on the heels of a, of a big tour with Black Veil Brides, Dead, and Raven Black. And thank goodness you decided to put it out instead of delaying it, as it has kind of been that transportive journey we all needed through this. What were your thoughts on deciding how to maneuver within this new reality? Thank you on everything. Thank you so much for listening to the album. I'm so glad that people are connecting with it. We're so grateful. And I think that um, it was a tricky decision. You know, we weren't quite sure where to go. And because in some forms, of course, we knew releasing an album that you wouldn't be touring on with everything that was happening could kind of hurt us. But we also looked at the other side of that, which is it could also help a lot of people. We felt like, you know, people we need we need something to escape with right now, whether, whether it's music or movies, some sort of entertainment or a walk or whatever. People need distractions. So we just said, let's just do it and we'll figure out ways to stay connected with everyone. And, and this will end and we will be back on the road to tour it. So we just kind of took a chance on that. And where has your mind been through all of this stuff? What have you been up to? I mean, I think that just like everyone, I think we're just all on a roller coaster, right? Like, so I live on the outskirts of New York. So New York is uh, pretty getting hit really hard. So I think, you know, it's, it's very moving. It's emotional. There's so much tragedy and, and horrible things going on, but also beautiful things and people being so brave and strong through all of this and communities coming together. So, you know, it's like 9-11 in the way of, you know, sometimes really horrible things also bring people together and people support each other. So there's beautiful aspects to it as well. But we're just trying to be safe and take care of each other and staying home and trying to figure out ways to stay artistic and creative in our quarantine and pushing ourselves to kind of just stay healthy and busy and be positive, you know, don't have the news on like all day long because you will sink into a dark hole. You know, you got to like, you got to balance yourself for sure. I think. I know you love to paint. Have you painted anything during this quarantine and anything that's a reflection of what's going on in the world right now? No, but I was just saying to my love, like I need to start painting and I was been figuring out where all my paint was and stuff because I moved recently. And so actually I'm going to paint tonight. So tonight is my first time in quarantine that I'm going to start painting. But I do love painting. I think it's a great way to, you know, get your feelings out because that's all art is. And normally I get my feelings out with the music and the visual arts and the performing arts, but not always. I don't always have time to paint anymore. And I think that is something we can all do in these times is focus on things we don't always get to do or, you know, we don't always have time to do and things like that. So I will be painting tonight. We'll see what happens. That's exciting. Let's talk about the creation of this wonderful album and the continued evolution that it captured at the point of nativity when you guys came up with everything. So basically when we go to do a new album, I kind of come up with like... um, like a whole overall feel of what I know the album is going to kind of be like, whatever that means. So I'll kind of create like a storyboard, like an inspirational board. So whoever is going to be creating and collaborating together can kind of feel all those things. So I create these little things and I give it to our producer or to, you know, the band or whoever's, whoever's with that. And then they can kind of go from there with and kind of be all in that same thing. So we kind of, always do that we did that on this one for sure but we knew this was going to be a more serious album i think we were just all going through a lot of deep things in life and 
when it comes to the creative side, they really let, I'm kind of the creative director, I guess you could say, and kind of a lot of the fields, they kind of let me go with that and let me be free with that stuff. So I'm pretty lucky. What is it about these particular songs and these stories that managed to ignite these intense moments for you as a singer, probably some of the best vocal performances in music today? Thank you so much. Um, I think, you know, I just think you got to be honest with music, right? So you got to, whatever it is you're singing about has to be some sort of truth. Because I think the real beautiful thing when it comes to music or any art, really, I guess, is like, you know, if it's raw and it's real, because that's the type of thing that can like give somebody goosebumps, you know, because it touches and they feel it. Even if they don't even understand what language you're singing in, they feel it. So I think putting your heart and your soul into it is always the first thing. And I was going through, um, I went through some, uh, my grandfather played the role of my father in my life. So my grandfather was passing right before I wrote this album and he was a hero to our whole family. And we were with him through the whole passing transition and everything. So that's where the song legacy came from. And also both of my band members had both just lost their fathers uh, within months. So we all came into this album very raw. And, and again, that's where sometimes painful things can wind up being gifts in a way, because we all came together and we were really supportive to each other. But I think everything that kind of came out in this album was coming from this raw, really soulful place. Talk about the way you use your voice and how it's even further enhanced by the production decisions. The level of clarity on your voice in particular on Mother really showcases the interesting ways in which you wrap yourself around the song and and unveils your unorthodox techniques. And the more intense parts of your range, the screams have become more weaponized as a result, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think because I think everything is balanced. So if you just scream all the time, then there's really nothing else to balance that with. And I think it can be oversaturated. Or if you're, you know, so I really love to have a range of colors and a range of emotions when I'm doing an album, I know, because it's like a whole body of work. And so you want to kind of have those special times for those special parts. So it all kind of makes sense together. And for mother, all the backup vocals, I have two mothers. So I'm so blessed. I got to have two moms instead of one. Um, They've been together 25 years. And I wrote that song in the spirit of my mother's. And so I wanted them to sing. So all the backup vocals you're hearing and stuff are my mother's actually singing with me in the studio, which was a really magical moment for me. And yeah. And, and I also got to pay a lot of uh, also, you know, attention to Kevin Cherko and his son, Kane Cherko. They're our producers and their production is insane. And the way that they can make voices sound and, the clarity at the same time, the effects that they can have, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. And he creates a 3d kind of production. Like you're almost sitting in, in the middle of it and it kind of surrounds you on all the, so he's a very talented, uh, Kevin Sherko and Kane Sherko for sure have a lot to do with the sound quality and all that. The world building that you guys have managed to create on this album is so elaborate and done with so much intent. And like you're saying, every creative moment and passage makes the hairs on the back of your neck just stand up. How much time is spent laboring? Do you sit with them and go over all those, all that minutia, those little things that make such a big difference? You know, yeah. And I mean, it all, it all twists and turns. And 
So, for instance, Mother, that particular song, I actually was hearing that whole thing in my head. And so I just went to and said, I'm, you know, I'm hearing these vocals here and all these vocals there. And he'll just start recording me and we start kind of just laying it all out. And it, you know, kind of comes to be that way. And then other times somebody may, you know, just come up with some little electronical part, but it's real simple, but it might move me. And I'm like, oh, I love this. Let me write over this. So, some, you know, it really comes from all different aspects. And then we also let Kevin kind of do his, you know, we call, we call it like his wizard his Gandalf moments where we'll kind of all work together on something and then we kind of step out and we'll give him a good few hours to himself with it. And then we come back in. It's always to this next level and this next, like he kind of does this mastery to it. So I think it just works with a lot of trusting each other and a lot of back and forth and approaching things on all different, on all different forms, I think. On the track We Will Rock You, which is a great cover, by the way, you collaborate with uh, Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm and uh, Taylor Momsen of The Pretty Reckless. What was it like working with these great women of rock? Uh, they're such power queens, and I, I, I love them both. I think they're both so talented, and I think they're so diverse from each other, too. I think they're very unique. I knew I wanted to do a song with all of us women kind of coming together and creating this empowerment Transformers moment. Like, you know, where we all join forces, and I think that. <laughs> They were down right off the bat. You know, they, they weren't re- reluctant and they were really, you know, supportive and like the ideas. So we just started kind of going back and forth. And as it slowly uh, started unfolding, it was like I was getting to the point where well, I was getting those goosebumps. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And to hear all, all, both of them mixed with the, my voice, it was, it was a really powerful, special moment. And I'm really grateful for them for, for doing that with us and letting us all have this moment together to share and, and for people to reflect off that. Cause I think it's, it's cool to see all of us coming together and supporting each other. Since your albums are, are really a cinematic experience and like we were talking about augmented by that production and creating these worlds, have you ever thought about scoring or directing a feature length film at all? I mean, I would love to cause, I direct uh, with Robert Clay. Um, I've been directing all of our music videos since before the Blood album. So I think the Blood, since before the Blood album. So we do all of them together. I love it. I love creating the, the treatments and the storyboards. And I love bringing all the inspirations and the visuals to life. And I think it really comes down to finding time. You know, Trent Reznor is probably one of my, he's like one of my musical heroes. I mean, to be able to do like, soundtracks that's a dream of mine that i definitely want to accomplish someday i just need to find time to do it which quarantine sounds like good time to do it <laughs> like it's old. so I'm, i've actually been talking about trying to push myself recently to start working on some some different music and some side music and someday when i have time i would love to do movies i always talk about it and go back and forth with it again you just gotta find time when you're crafting these songs in your head, when you're going into the studio, do you already envision them painted with these broad cinematic strokes that we end up hearing? There's different ways. You know, sometimes we go into the studio with a lot of songs. Sometimes we go into the studio with no songs and we just create within there and kind of that organic uh, building within. But I think regardless, at the end of the day, I love and we love that cinematic sound and that's why I think we go back to Kevin Churko every time and Kane because I think that we know at the end result is always going to be 
that's what he does when he masters it and he puts his magic all over it. So we always know the final result in, in which it's going to sound, kind of, for the most part. Even if we're creating it in there or we go in there with the song already. The Boo Crew will be right back. Halloween, the motion picture about the most terrifying night of the year, starring Donald Pleasance. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Halloween, the night he came home. Rated R. Take us to the tracking of Into Dust, which is a particularly intimate moment on the album where everything kind of stops and we are left with the music in its most raw form. That's actually a cover song too, believe it or not, um, by Mazzy Starr. Mazzy Starr, like when we were talking about painting earlier, she, like when I paint, I listen to Mazzy Starr. She's been my favorite for a really long time, since the 90s. She's so awesome. She's so talented. And it's music that just really like takes me away. And on every album that we do, we pretty much always have a song that's stripped down to just that kind of intimacy, whether, you know, just a piano or just one guitar or in just me. And Because, again, I love to have the different elements within the album and to have those different feelings and all of, like, you know, the roundness of it. So I like to end an album most of the time with a song like that. You are such a creative person, and it seems like something that needs to be nurtured. Is the stage production design something that fosters that need? Uh, for me, the stage is so it's, it's all you know it's all part of the big picture for me. So the, the the live stage production and what we do as a show. I mean, we kind of look at it almost in a theater from a theater point of view. It is really important to me, just as important as the music videos, just as important as the music, because now we're talking about bringing together these visuals for somebody to look at. And I want someone to look at the show and feel all those emotions and all that visually from just visually what they're seeing. Even if you were to pause the music, you know, and it was a song, they would feel all this stuff just from what they're looking at, even without hearing it. So, yeah, I do think that it's same with the choreography with me and my performers. We meet separate from the whole band. We meet separate from the whole pre-production and all that. And we get all of our parts down first, the choreographing or what we're going to do or what sort of skit we're going to do, whatever that is. So they all really play, uh, it's like a machine. And they all, to me, are just as important pieces. You just got to find, you know, work them all in there together as one big piece. Wanted to talk about the video for the in-between. It is so stunning. And there's this amazing choreography and tons of symbolism. Yeah. And each frame is like a painting. The song even has Easter eggs throwing to other songs in, in your universe. It's, it's brilliant. Talk <laughs> about putting that video together. I actually really do love that video. Um, you know, you always have videos. Maybe you don't love one as much as the other or this and that one. That one I'm really proud of. I kept seeing like these red hands and kind of having that in my head and kind of that being the symbolism of like all these different parts of me kind of pulling, you know, pulling you in different ways and all that. So that was really what all that was symbolizing. And we were kind of working on all that hand stuff and all that movement. That was the day of the video, actually, where we were like doing makeup and they had like 
we were working on it and my uh, Aaron is like my head, one of my head performers. So me and her always kind of work back and forth. I can kind of tell her like, I wanted to have this energy and kind of this and this, and then she'll go kind of perfect it with the other girls. So we just worked really hard on that. And I wanted to have these different scenes that kind of, you know, invoked the different emotions that the song had with the angelic sides of things and the really soft angelic visuals with that hard contrast, you know, of the, reds and the, the darker sides and the the you know it's it's always that contrast I'm always about kind of that yin and yang and balance and because it's something I think I always kind of had within me and struggled with and I had to learn how to always still trying to learn I guess say how to perfect that kind of medium the in-between I guess there's lots of imagery in that video that quenches the thirst of fans of horror films, obviously. And I would love to know yeah. about your first experiences as a viewer being compelled by the horror genre. I think for me, I love a lot of uh, horror visuals and things like that. I love darker things. And it's so funny because people that know me in my everyday life, you know, I'm very like quiet. And if you were in my home, it kind of feels like a, a it kind of looks like a white, a white witch's house, I guess. I mean, there's looks, it looks like you're inside the forest in the house, but it's still very light and very crystals and all those things. But I have this whole other dark side of me that I'm really visually love to bring out and, and with art and all that. And so I think, if I think of when I was little, what were my favorite movies when I was little? I mean, as a little girl, I was most terrified, of course, of the first ones we all know, like the Halloweens and the you know friday the 13th and all that the shining was mortifying i was so scared of the shining when I was <laughs> but i loved it and i think that's what we all kind of fall in love with is this the fear gives you an adrenaline rush and you can't look away and it, it brings you to the edge of your seat and you can't even you know so i think there's an exhilarating feeling that's in all of that and also, and I think with music, with the dark, there was this strength, this power to it, too. The kind of my darkness and the kind of horror visuals we kind of bring almost protects me. But I think for more recent things when it comes to horror, too, for shows, I think, like, I love, obviously, American Horror Story. I'm super inspired by I think it's such a visually stunning show. And The Hands Made Tale, I think, is actually really visually stunning as well i love the symbolism things and stuff and and colors and i really love when they mix horror also with like visual artistic looks you know what i mean yeah you know looking back uh to the album blood and going forward from that point on the music and Im imagery of the band became much darker and more theatrical what was the catalyst for this change well what had happened was we were everything fell apart for us so uh, we were all in a band. We had been together for a really long time and a bunch of our band members quit on us. And then at the same time, our manager dropped us. So for like 12 hours, the band was over. <laughs> and like, this is it. We're done. You know, this is it. There's no camera performance. <laughs> and then we had, this, and then we had a rally in us. And, you know, I like came upstairs and I was with Chris McStar player and, kick the door open. I'm making it a little extra dramatic, but, and, you know, we, and basically was like, I, I, we're not done. You know, this is a, a chance for us to shift. This is a chance for us to, you know, do something fresh, do something new. And I think that that was a liberating moment for me. I had in the beginning when you have all band members 
you have to, everything is like, uh, you have to agree on it. You got to do band votes. You got to do this. You got to do that. Where now it was just like almost everyone was gone. And Chris was basically like, do what you want. Just do what you want. Like be free. And so I literally, and not that I was letting them not tell me what to do, but I think I was still, you know, in this music world, I've, I've become an insecure little girl to like a woman who knows what she wants to, you know, is empowered. So I, it was part of my journey that I had to go through. And it was like, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And Chris supported me and he let me creatively really, really take control and without even fighting me on things. And that's really where all the birth, I started directing all the videos and coming up with the imagery and the stage shows and the wardrobes and the choreographing and it kind of exploded. And he just supported me through that, which I'm really grateful to him for. Have you had any paranormal experiences and would you be open to one if you haven't had one? I actually definitely did. Um, when I was young, I had my son really young. I was 16 years old and it was the first apartment that I had ever lived in. And it was in Troy, New York, which is a very old uh, little city. It's almost all the buildings from the 1800s. It's like all really cool brownstones and things like that. And I was in this cute little mini studio. It was like $300 a month and it was old. And I had all kinds of things happening. My son was an infant. That's where I first moved into this place. And I'm 16 years old, never been on my own and had all kinds of things happening. Crazy things to the point I actually moved out. And when I moved out, they told me that a nun had actually lived there for 25 years before I moved in and she died in the apartment. Whoa. So I don't oh, know no. if, she, you know, because most I picture most nuns as being like, kind and sweet and loving and godly women but maybe this woman didn't agree with my life or it was her house and she didn't want I don't know what it was but it was definitely life transforming it was pretty surreal and crazy and I don't really talk about it a lot but I definitely believe in energy and I believe that like we're all made of energy and so that even when the body dies that energy is still alive so I believe in that for sure. I've never seen anything happen and I want to be a believer. I do believe it happens and I'm kind of glad it doesn't happen to me. But like, I love hearing like stories about this. Like, like what happened? Like, did things move or like, can you talk yeah, about Yeah, I had a bunch of things move. I had, uh -huh. um, I had, I, I basically slept in my closet. I had a big giant closet in a studio apartment, but I put my bed in the closet. So I made it like a little bedroom and to, I had, um, those kind of hanging blinds that you put in front of the sliding doors to go in and out of, uh, like, you know, somebody's back door and they just hang freely. You know, you can turn them and they can open or whatever. And I had no fans in my house or, or air condition. I couldn't afford air conditioning or anything like that. And I was sleeping and I kept hearing something and I was sleeping with my baby, my son. And I, one thing, the first thing I had seen is the blinds like opened, like <gasps> they literally like kind of parted and then they like swung back and forth. I had two neighbors that were two young girls and they were experiencing a lot of things also. And they were like, they were Puerto Rican and they knew all this stuff. They were like putting all these like salt around all of our doors. They actually were teaching me a lot. Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, you're right. Like, <laughs> yeah, my son, actually, we were all just sitting in there watching movies once and my son like stood up and turned and he looked like he saw something he was scared of and he turned and ran into the wall really, really fast. 
and ran into a wall and like hit the ground. And it was like really crazy. And they had a dog next door. The dog used to like bark at nothing. And then the last thing I'll say that happened was I was, my son was in his little height chair in front of us. And I had, I used to drink, I don't drink milk anymore now, but I, I one of those big milk things with the top that snaps on like yeah. a yeah. gallon one you know, has like the snappy cup. It was sitting in front of me and the top, the little top was like kind of moving up. And let me, I've, I was 16 years old. I'd never done a drug in my life. I'd never anything like that. There's no way I was high, (laughs) anything like that. And it kind of was like almost levitating up. Like, and I'm looking at it thinking like there must be gas inside the thing that's creating some sort of whatever. And then it like dropped and then it went to happen again. And I like swung it off the, uh, swung it off the table. But so anyway, all of those things happening were, and a few more things was what led us to be moved out. But when wow. I found out that someone had died in there right before I moved in, that was the most surreal part to all of it. Because I've always kept questioning, like, maybe I just thought, like, maybe it was all a coincidence. Maybe this and that. But then when he told me that, it was like, oh, wow, pretty, pretty weird. Yeah, it all comes together, right? Wow, that's insane. Yeah. Well, just one more question. We love Mystique and we'd love to get your thoughts on the importance and challenges of creating Mystique as a band in a time when there's more access behind the curtain than ever with social media and things of that nature. And you always manage to keep the projects of the band veiled in in mystery. And it's such a part of what makes your art even more compelling and special to the beholder. Thank you so much. I I personally think mystery is just so important. I think that people want to see art. I feel like sometimes the art even gets ruined when you see <laughs> too much of what's behind the veil or what's behind the story or what somebody's interpreted or what it could, you know, there's something really cool. I feel when somebody can just interpret it, interpret it the way they want to. And when somebody isn't always just it's accessible, like I really don't even do a lot of press. I'm actually pretty socially don't, I was practicing social distancing before all of this. But I'm like a very, um, that's the type of person I am. But I do think that in these trying times of what's going on, it is still an important now more than ever with people being afraid and with what's going on to find ways to connect. And since I can't connect by touring anymore, I am trying to brainstorm ways in which I can still be my mysterious self and approach it in maybe not such an obvious way, but still connect with everybody via through social networks and things like that. I'm just trying to figure it all out to a way that I'm, I guess, comfortable in. Maria, thank you again so much for giving us your time today. We really appreciate it. And we can't wait to see what happens next. And when all this pandemic stuff boils over to get you guys back on the road and, and to experience that level of the band as well. Thank you so much for all of your kind words. You guys were all great. It was a fantastic interview. I love all your words and the way you guys talk. I, I'm sensitive. I'm really happy that I did this with you guys. And everybody out there, please stay safe and be kind to each other and take care of one another. We're going to get through this soon. And you guys should come come out to a live show soon. And come when we, when we can tour again. Come meet us. Definitely. Heck yeah. Oh my yes. gosh, I can't wait Rock to on. see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 126. Special thanks to our guest, Maria Brink, from the band In This Moment. Follow her at Maria Brink Official on Instagram, at Maria Brink on Twitter, at In This Moment Official on Instagram, and at Official ITM on Twitter, and get their new album, Mother, everywhere now. Feature music on this episode from In This Moment. Production tracks provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying, stay safe, stay healthy, and sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.